Oh, damn it, you win again. I just can't let it stay there. <sighs> Tavistock Juno the third. How the devil are you? Ooh, Tavistock. I like that one. That's that's it sounds like I own oil wells or you know, rainforests or something. Oh, you probably do. You've probably got something in Baja, California. That's a James Bond reference. <clears throat> okay. Oh. Well. There you go. I am well. How are you? Um, tickety-boo. Thank you very much. Uh, rocking and rolling. Uh, rolling with the punches. Rocking the boat. Uh, <laughs> more mixed metaphors to follow. Yeah. The, the question yeah. on everybody's lips, of course. How is uh, young Athena Cosgrove? Young Athena is less young. She is now three months old today as of recording, <laughs> which last time I checked is a quarter of a year, which last time I checked is far too fast for that time to have like <laughs> expired. No, thank you. She's, she's over the hill now. <laughs> well, she's moving out of her, her early work, you know, and she's not in, in a more sort of, it's tired. It's kind of, you know, the usual, she's find her feet, but it's not as innovative. You know, the, the earlier albums were, were something different. And now she like sleeps through the night a bit. And, you know, all these things that, it's not nearly as novel or exciting. Yeah, but I, uh, uh, you mentioned in the pre-show that she is sort of getting a system upgrade every night uh, and coming with a new, <laughs> yeah. a new skill yeah. each morning to astound and yeah. astonish. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, most of them are not in any way tested. And so you just get her, she's lying there watching, you know, the, the sensory thing she has. She has like a little um, rainforest like play mat she's lying there and then all of a sudden a sound emits from the child that was not previously possible and i'm not entirely sure humans can do and so she just emits this noise and you're like oh that was the child okay oh, oh no tj right. you haven't got a child you've got a home pod <laughs> that's oh that's where i went wrong i kept <laughs> kept yelling hey child it's hey siri whoops <laughs> <laughs> they yeah they they emit sort of random sounds at any given moment and almost never the one that you ask for <laughs> yeah it's it's actually really funny because she does these these weird and wonderful signs and you can we, we copy her as well the, the advice is that the more you sort of copy their speech the more they'll learn by sort of that back and forth and so you can see the little cogs whirring she watches you and she makes a sound and then you make it back at her and it's the the most delighted little. <gasps> it worked, and she you can tell she she doesn't know what Lego is, but she's putting blocks together. You know, kind of like this uh -huh. little. She's building something. She's not quite sure what it is yet. Um, it's fascinating to watch. It's very very wholesome and very very lovely. It must be a bit bit of a drag to go to work. Are you going to work? Is as that a thing that has come back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ooh. I'm back in work sort of two to three days a week, which is good. It's nice to have the time in work and see adults again, apart from Megan. Two of us sort of sit at home making baby noises and playing with children's books and toys. So it's nice to go and see adults now and again and like use words with four syllables. But um, I work from home a couple of days a week, which is nice because then I get to... I've got an important meeting uh, just after this one, so I'm going to have to go and then go downstairs and give her a cuddle. So... <laughs> It's nice to step out. <laughs> Splendid. Well, anyway, enough of this nonsense. What are you writing with and indeed on? <laughs> well, on is just index cards. Um, I've got a little tiny Penco 
clipboard. Yeah. Um, yep. Which is it's lovely little tiny thin, I don't know, maybe 10 centimeters across by ooh, 25, 30 centimeters long. And uh, just a little metal clip at the top. But I've just got some index cards clipped in there and I'm just sort of writing scratch notes. On an unrelated note, I find that despite how often I try and digitize and modernize and, you know, computerize my to-do lists and, and ways of working and systems, I still write things down and put a line through them, even if they're already on a list somewhere else. And then I have to subsequently tick them off as well. So I'm enjoying the, the tactileness of like, it's done. It's done. And uh, there's a certain amount of regret because it is that like, I've made a beautiful list and reminders that will, you know, is timed and is assigned and there's various like functions digitally that are happening. They're very, very smart. And then I go like, make a meal plan and write it down on my piece of paper and then put a big inky line through it like a caveman whenever I achieve that. But there's something satisfying about having that. And I suppose it's, it's not a double system. It's not inefficient. It's, it's dual. It's an analog digital hybridization. It's a it's a mixed metaphor machinery for more effective co-optimization. Does that work? Probably. I uh, I have to say I dropped off halfway through, but um, it's an age thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it sounds yeah, lovely yeah, to yeah. me. No, I mean, I think um, that there is definitely a value in that that sort of. It's, it's like a little pat on the back, isn't it? That <laughs> putting the inky line through something. Yeah. Well done, me. Yeah. Look at that. I did that. Um, to the extent that there are some people I know who, um, you know, at the end of the day, having having done 12 tasks, go, <gasps> and then write down the 12 tasks so that they can cross them off. Yeah, the retroactive strike through. That's, mm. that's a given in any product productivity system. Well, I, you know, I think it, it is that sort of, oh, hang on. I, I did do stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Self-care. This isn't an absolute Analog self-care. But yeah. <laughs> It's 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 kind of giving yourself that pat in the back, and I'm doing that with the Baron Fig uh, Squire, which is the pencil-looking one that I've talked about before, the erasable co-production, um, and it's lovely. I don't really do pens very often or very much, but um, this is one that I will continue doing. I don't. Every now and again, though, it it gets a little bit patchy, and I don't know whether that's me writing wrongly because uh, I'm not a pen person, or it's that the refill is uh, less filled. And the problem mm-hmm. is, I don't know anything about pens. And so to get a refill for this is a stew question, which I will now <laughs> ask. Stu. Uh, well, <laughs> Baron Fig do their own uh, refills from the Baron Fig website. Um, I think they're probably branded as Baron Fig. Uh, uh, the refills, one in this but, pen is, yeah. But they are actually Schmidt refills. Um, the Schmidt. It's a Schmidt refill, yes. Um, which, as you may imagine, is German. Um, and I'm just going to check number here because I don't sell them. Just because, well, actually, I might. I might you know, I might sell them. Having said that, um, <laughs> because uh, we have. Um, I, you must remember these. The, the Retro 51, have you ever had one of those? I've used them, but I don't own one. Uh, yeah, they, um, we, we now carry them at, um, mm. uh, uh, at Nero's Notes. We've got uh, sort of 
we've got a base range in and I'm just now um, sort of flicking through the catalogues to get another range where we'll get, you know, the sort of full. Uh, there are about a million of these things. That it's, it makes field notes look sort of very, very um, laid back about editions. They're, Minimalist they're just, releasing. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> huge numbers of them. Um, so I'm looking, but uh, I'm very sensibly, and this doesn't happen often, I'm waiting for Claire approval before going ahead uh, and um, <clears throat> getting the wrong ones. So uh, Claire is, <laughs> by the time this goes out, Claire will be back. But uh, as we record, she's coming to the end of her holiday, bless her. Um, mm, where very she, nice. Where uh, if you if you check out the Slack, um, I think it would be the ooh, probably the eighteen fifty seven Slack. I'm not sure. Uh, you'll find you'll find pictures of black leopards and the like. Oh, yeah. So yeah, the Schmidt is the P eight one two six, or you can get um, an eight one two seven if you want a slightly broader uh, line. Um, and there you go. That 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 is the ideal. You can actually use a range of different um, Schmidt's refills, or, and indeed other refills, if you if you sort of push your luck a bit. Hmm. Okay. Good there to know. I've just jumped onto the Slack, and there is indeed um, a black female leopard. That's there fascinating. Yeah, she's um she's been she's been in Kenya. Uh, on safari oh i was gonna say wilmslow <laughs> well i mean i suppose no could be but no it's kenya um uh, and <laughs> certainly the photos she shared looks like they've had a terrific time i'm looking forward to chatting to her yeah upon her return and as far as far as i know nero's notes hasn't collapsed in a heap uh which is nice <laughs> been a bit quiet understandably but there you are mm. so writing with a pen TJ Cosgrove, what yeah, has become of you? Fatherhood has changed you. You've changed. <laughs> You've changed. Um, well, I suppose I better address the balance. I'm I'm writing with a pencil, <laughs> Tennessee red. Very good. Uh, my new favourite. Uh, sort of, I suppose above Steinbeck. Uh, so just sitting very nicely in the hand, and it's just a lovely pencil. And even though this one has been around for a while, this one's been going for probably six months or more. Still. Faint little cedary smell of it. Very nice. Mm. I mean, it is made of cedar, so the more you sharpen it, the more it'll smell like cedar. Yes, yes, indeed. I'm just writing with it now and uh, again, marveling at how smooth it is. Uh, I've also got a pen on mm. the go. I've got a Pocket 6, uh, which we used to sell at Nero's. Uh, it's by Shern, Ian Shern of Shern Design. Um, mm-hmm. But he he's he sells pens quicker than he can make them in the US. So convincing him to sell them to be cheap in the UK, no, just, <laughs> it's just like, Stuart, honestly, <laughs> come back to me in 12 months when I can tell you to come back to me in 12 months. Oh, bless him. So who knows? <laughs> Perhaps next year. Uh, and I, I've got a pocket notebook habit going again, TJ. After all those COVID oh, years, good. Uh, we're back mm-hmm. in. So um, I'm currently, oh, I suppose, 10 pages away from finishing logged off 108 um, which is my first notebook of uh, 2023 and it is a mm. field note um oh I don't very know nice which field note it is it's it's ping flip to the back 
I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as we speak. <laughs> this one was designed by Rick Griffith uh, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, so this is one of the recent ones. I, I can't remember what it's called. What is it called? There was a range of them. They've all got separate colors. Separate. And this, what does this one say? ACPA says vote. Decision 2020. Hmm. Unfortunately, I can't really help you. I don't know that much about field notes apart from the ones that I've seen and got. So they haven't followed, like the Black Wings, they've not really been following the more recent releases, except on the, the word of Black Wings, the red and blue ones. Have you seen them? I, I have. I was I was about to make a joke that, uh, don't worry, nobody's following, <laughs> following Black Wing. Um, certainly not in the UK. Um, just the, the supply lines are now so slow. And um, uh, letterpress, mm. there we go. United States of letterpress, Pax C for those that are following and paying attention. Um, it is the pink one from Pax C of United States of letterpress. Um, yeah, Blackwing, really, really odd. Um, I mean, I think the UK specific problem is a black supply lines, and um, you know, we, we sort of get the limited editions three months after the marketing hype has finished. Um, yeah, that's the, I mean, it, it's, it, it's so difficult to sell that then because you're going, Hey, remember this that everyone was jazzed for and you can't get, now you can get it. And yeah, yep, sorry, you, you don't, you've moved on. Okay. Okay. Well, a lot of what's happening as well, I believe is that the people who are really into Blackwing are either subscribing direct from Blackwing or because of, actually a good use of of social media people who hang out on on fora together uh you know everybody's now got an american contact so the <laughs> easiest <laughs> yeah. the easiest way to get the either field notes or or black wings is through your american contact and and he or she sends them to you sort of private post rather than bumping into all the commercial hassles Hmm. which makes sense i I like the idea of a colored pencil i think it it harkened back my favorite ever colored pencil in terms of red and blue is a czech one from koanor and Mm -hmm. it's the postman's pencil it's the big chunky one and it's red on one end and blue on the other yeah yeah. and i remember seeing it for the first time in prague in this little news agents that and they they must have thought i was very strange because i went in every news agents in prague which is quite a few um (laughs) up and down up and down and I think this one was in a basement. There was one that was like a big Luxor, like a big newsagent type bookshop type, you know, stationary place. And I found these sitting at the back and I was like, this is, it was such a vibrant red and blue color. I was like, this is gorgeous. And I think I bought a box when I was there that time to which the person was like, okay, that's a lot of pencils for one person. <laughs> and then I came back and bought more and it was the same person. They were like, Oh yeah, no, no. Thought you were weird. Confirmed. You are weird. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I can imagine them just thinking these tourists, the, these Westerners, they're nuts. <laughs> but I still have, I still have a bunch of those pencils. I've given away several, and I think I still have three or four of those original ones that I bought in Prague, and that must be seven or eight years ago now. I bought them, maybe even more. Um, but yeah. Very seldom would I write with a, a black or sorry, a blue or, or red pencil just because I don't write with, I, I write with pencils all the time. I've got a little 
box. The one I'm almost finished with is a Blackwing. Oh, the puzzle one, the pentagram. Pentagon, not pentagram. Um, you know, the five sided <laughs> one. I don't, know where, don't know where you're going with this. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was, uh, what color was it? Was it like a pinky, very, very light pinky, like blush color? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's oh. like a puzzle one. I, that's almost finished. I have that, and it's, it's proper golf pencil size. So I do use pencils, and funny enough, I just pulled out a Musgrave, uh, is it Hermitage? Yeah. Hermitage? Uh, red and blue combination, thin, yeah, made yeah. in the USA. Yeah, that, um, that, that it was in the drawer as well. Ah, see, now I'm going to write with it. See, after saying I don't really do it that often, I'm now doing it live. It's lovely. It's really nice. There's something uh, with an American pencil, something vaguely patriotic and also just so vibrant, like the red and the blue. They work so well together. I don't know. Now I'm transfixed, just scribbling on the, the index card I was talking about earlier. But um, yeah. I don't know. It's nice to see some more um, color pencils coming out, something a little different. But um, as you say, a shame if you can't get them in stock anytime this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's challenging. And as I said, sort of a lot of the the people that that did sort of use us don't seem to anymore. Um, I don't know whether they're you know sort of losing interest or whether the you know they found alternate supply line or, or whatever. I'm not really sure. Um, it's it's yeah. frustrating, but we we have many many back episodes that people can listen to how frustrating it's been. But there you go. Um, that's why I'm I'm a fully converted Musgrave man now. Oh, yes, Musgrave for the win. Ra ra Musgrave. Um. <laughs> so that that that's writing. I think well and true. That's more writing than we've done basically all of last year in one episode <laughs> yeah but i mean last year was one episode wasn't it it was 11 10 10 11 11 Ish. 10 4 3 something like that yeah <laughs> all right then so what have you been watching i mean it's, it's been it's been a month since we spoke you must have seen something good Ooh, i saw quite a few bits and pieces just check the recording's still going we're good sorry justin just like to keep things a little bit uh, dicey <laughs> now and again with the, the iPad recording. The screen had gone off, but we're good. Um, we just finished a show on Disney Plus called Extraordinary, which is uh, very, very funny. Set in the UK, Irish lead role. Um, have you heard anything about it? Know anything about it? Uh, not a thing, no. Okay. I think you'll really enjoy it. And it's not very long either. So it's easy to sort of watch the eight, 10 episodes, something like that. And they're relatively short as well. So basic premise is 10 years ago, everybody in the world got a superpower once they reached the age of 18 or if they were over the age of 18. And our protagonist didn't. And so the whole story follows her while she sort of navigates this universe where everyone has a superpower and she doesn't. And it's it's a really interesting one because there's a lot of shows that, that trope the superhero thing. You know, Marvel kind of brought it to the fore with all the superhero movies. And then there was The Boys and there's, there's various shows that have, done things with superheroes you know dc's tried some stuff as well this is a really interesting one because it's trying to build a universe in which everybody has superpowers so it's not superman it's dave next door um and they're all different and so there's these what i love about it is that it's very subtle in the world building like it sort of shows you a lot of stuff in the deep background of a scene and doesn't really explicitly talk about it it just kind of goes yeah in this world these things happen moving on and it's a comedy so it's fun as well so like people who can fly 
you see in the background them doing like a delivery slash taxi type service where people like climb on their back and they fly them across the city. Um, you know, one of the characters can uh, channel the dead. And so they can, you know, she works for a solicitor and basically channels the the dead person whose estate is being contested. <laughs> it just hears from them. Really, really interesting Andy? premise for a series. Really, really funny. <laughs> it's really, really good. Uh, we both really enjoyed it. And it was one of those ones that I hadn't really heard about it till it came out. And then it came out. Um, we thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. And we watched the episodes within three days because it was so good. We just didn't want to not watch it. Um, worth watching. Uh, I think you might enjoy it. Um, and then I watched two movies, specifically the standout. I think I watched more, but two standout in particular. One was at home and one was in the cinema. Uh, the, the movie at home was one that I have actually seen before. It's called Jumper. I think it's like 2008, something like that. And it's Hayden Christensen, who plays uh, Darth Vader in the, the later Star Wars movies, but not the old Star Wars movies, if that makes sense. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's prequel Vader. Uh, he's also Anakin first. Spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen Star Wars, the prequel series, which is 20 odd years out now. But um, anyway, it's Hayden Christensen and he can teleport. And it's a really interesting story about if you could teleport anywhere in the world at a moment's notice, what would you do? So the, the opening gambit of this film is him like sitting on top of the Sphinx in Egypt. And he's, you know, oh, I was here for, I was in, in Paris for breakfast. And then I popped over to London to do this. And, the, you know, he can teleport about the world. And it's, it was one of those films that felt a lot bigger than what it was. And I think it's based on a series of books. But I remember watching it when it came out and thinking, this is so cool. This is awesome. Rewatching it now, I'm like, yeah, this is, this, is, this is fine. It's good. I'm enjoying it. It's fine. But it's not as good as, you know, 12-year-old me thought it was. Um, but... It felt really deep. It felt like there was a big universe. It felt like it sort of jumped into the story Star Wars-esque halfway through and there was so much more to see. And then it's been radio silence for like 15 years, 20, whenever it came out, 2008. So like 15 years. It's just, mm. there's been, I think there was a YouTube series vaguely based on the, the same universe, but not directly tied in in 2019. So it's sort of, I was expecting a sequel then and never got one. So watching it back now is a bit funny. Um, but it's, it's worth 90 minutes, right? Hayden Christensen is good. It's worth 90 minutes of watching. There's some nice shots in Rome. You love Rome. So oh, yes. They're in the Colosseum for a good bit. And they actually filmed it in the Colosseum, which is interesting. Uh, because they weren't allowed to put anything on the ground. They went and filmed this. And all the shots in the Colosseum, there's no equipment sitting on the ground. So it all has to be carried. <laughs> Which is quite fun and all natural light shooting. So it's interesting from a technical standpoint as well. Um, but yeah, not a, sort of a six or seven out of 10 film in retrospect, even though 12 year old me thought it was class. But um, the last one I watched was, I don't want to spoil it because it's new and you may, you may see it in the cinema. Knock at the Cabin. Have you seen this advertised? Nope. So it's Dave Batista, wrestler turned actor. Um, who I actually really, really like. I think he's really good. He was in the new Blade Runner movie, I think. Um, he's also in Guardians of the Galaxy as Drax, the big bulky red guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a wrestler, and he typically plays roles in which he is wrestling, throwing people, punching people. Um, he is a big man, 
And so his sort of size dictates a lot of the roles he gets. And so there was an article came out where he wanted to do some more serious acting. And this, I think, is the first film in that new tranche of post-Marvel serious acting. And he's actually very good. I think he's very good in it. The film is a... Yeah, yeah again, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who wants to see it. It's worth watching. We saw it in the cinema. Uh, it was worth seeing, but it wasn't amazing. Um, I can't really say an awful lot about it without giving things away, so I, I shan't. But it's it has fewer twists than I expected and turns the next. You know, one of those films you think, oh, that's going to be deep. And it was like, oh, it's kind of just a paddling pool. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But I was expecting a little deeper. Um, but he is good. Dave Batista's good in it. So at, at the very least, you can go and watch him being a really interesting, huge man. He's, he's he's just a wall of human, and he's he's in fantastic shape. But in this, he's not playing the typical sort of burly, throw people through a window type thing. So it's a really interesting character for him to play, and I really enjoyed watching it for that at the least. Very good. Well, I, I haven't been as adventurous as you, I have to say. Um, uh, I've been using using <laughs> old Bluebeard there, the uh, the pirate TV. Um, mostly to watch the bbc of all things so i suppose the first one would be silent witness which is um you know it's a long-running show uh which i think has probably come to an end definitively now because the the last few episodes um i, I was i was almost throwing things at the tv um uh, it's <laughs> Was the witness um, not silent? Was what was going on? <laughs> um, exposition, yeah. Show don't tell. So, um, <laughs> at one point, I, I didn't sort of remember the entire quote, but the 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 the, the main characters, one of whom is Northern Irish, incidentally, um, are, um, are are pathologists, and one of them turned to the other and said, "Unless." You're trying to tell me that you don't believe that this was that. But in fact, that might be this. And I actually sat there and I thought, a writer has written that. The actors have said it. (laughs) The director has heard it and gone, yeah, that's fine. It, It would have been better if she turned to the camera and broken the third or fourth wall and said, Okay, we need to we need to give you some context here because you're quite thick and you don't know what's going on. <laughs> but this this now happened yeah. like th- three or four times in the episode. And I t- I turned to Margaret and I said, I think the writers took the week off or the writing room was drunk or something. <laughs> because they got to the end of the season and were like, Oh no, we're an episode short. Um, yeah, you, Derek, you, could, you just have a go at this one. You couldn't put that in a book. <laughs> You know, I, I, it was just mm, <laughs> a bit disappointing because it's it's been an amazing TV show over the years. Um, but there's one, well, two just started. There's the the Sunday night slot at uh, nine PM UK time, um, and which is gold, uh, which is about a robbery that happened. Uh, I don't know, ten years before <laughs> TJ was born. Um, but <laughs> everybody my age is British will remember it. It's uh, the Brinks Matt robbery. Um, and I mean, no spoilers. So Brinks, Matt, uh, security firm, 
and it has had a warehouse, uh, an industrial estate outside Heathrow, and it got hit. And the people that were hitting it were there to steal. I think they were hoping for like half a million pounds worth of foreign currency. And they ended up with 26 million pounds worth of gold. Um, the, oh. the the biggest robbery ever um, at the time. Um, and this is a series about what the hell do you do when you've got 26 million quids worth of stolen gold? Um, and it is uh, largely a true story. So there's some really good actors. Uh, the guy that plays River Cartwright in Slow Horses. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of the, uh, well, I suppose this is a professional interest. He's one of the money launderers. Um, um, and it's, it's great. So it's, the robbery was in 1983. So the, the the episodes, or I've only seen one, um, but yeah, it's a real nostalgia trip for me looking at the cars, the, what people are wearing, uh, the music. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's it's so far at least very well written. Uh, and then on Monday, uh, the same slot, the 9pm slot, there's a thing called Better. Uh, again, Oh I've yeah, only- I've seen this advertised. Meg and I want to watch it. Yeah, watched one episode. Um, the um, a, a, again, no real spoilers. The protagonist is a um, policewoman, uh, a detective, who is also um, closely connected to a big time drug dealer. Um, and so that's that's the sort of premise. Um, and there is a line in the first episode um, where. Uh, her husband turns to her and says, you're going back to both jobs. And she replies, they go together. Um, uh, so that's a, an interesting sort of thing. It's, I suppose the, the most interesting thing about the moment is it's very open that she's both, <laughs> you know, that she's uh, working for a drug dealer and working for the police. Obviously, it's not that open with her colleagues, but it is with her family. Uh, so it's it's quite weird. Oh, yeah, that's quite unusual. Like a lot of the, what what show am I thinking of? Um, the Line of Duty mm. sort of plays with that notion a bit, but it's always very much, oh, the family know nothing, the colleagues know nothing, and this is a one person secret. Yeah, and you can see the the obvious turmoil that that causes. Interesting to take away that, and sort of put the family in on it. That's yeah. interesting. It, it's like you know the the husband is invited to sort of sort of social gatherings on both sides of that that divide <laughs> oh sorry i can't come to the police fundraiser we're actually at the drug dealing fundraiser that weekend so sorry yeah and i think i think there'll probably be more playing with that concept <laughs> later but again uh seems yeah. very well written um and yeah mm. can be interested so enjoying those two uh and yeah phew, a real blast from the past um i'm i'm with mrs l uh i'm taking her through the sopranos from the beginning she's never watched the sopranos um, and no, I, don't think, I. I don't think I've ever watched it in a in a focused way, but uh, The Sopranos mm. was one of the first TV series of the sort of the new generation, the, the you know the must watch TV, the binge um, concept. It, it it feels to me at least that that was one of the first ones that everybody got excited about because at the time, I mean, it was the Game of Thrones of its time. Yeah, what what year was it released? It was early, early two thousands, wasn't it? 
Oh, yeah, it might even be, might even be, I'm going to look it up. 1999, I don't know, let's have a look. Sopranos. Yeah, 99. Yeah, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. Because um, it's interesting that's, because when you said sort of the early big, big hit TV shows, my mind goes to X-Files, which was sort of 93. Mm. But it ran right the way up. And it's that X-Files is a little different, though, because it had that Monster of the Week episode sometimes. So it was more of a, you know, like the Simpsons and the X-Files where you watch it every week because it's on, not the Sopranos, which probably would fall more into the I need to get the DVD box set because I need to watch all of them, which I don't know that people did with the Simpsons in the same way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, perhaps you're right. Yeah, I mean, it it was... um... This, I'm just looking now. It was HBO had had The Sopranos, so it was before um, all that Netflixy stuff, I suppose. But um, I guess for us in the UK, I don't know where I would have seen it. Probably Netflix, early Netflix. I don't know. I, I've never really watched it, sort of contingent or you know continuously. Contiguously is the word I was looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a quite a simple premise. Again, you've got a um, someone who's involved in, shall we call it, the Italian-American mob, sometimes known as the Mafia or uh, La Cosa Nostra. Um, and the whole thing plays out. With, essentially, he's seeing a psychiatrist. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so you sort of, uh, the the narrative plays out through his sessions with the psychiatrist. Uh, which allows for some really stylized stuff, you know, the little um, juxtapositions of family life and, well, gangster life, which I suppose aren't mutually exclusive, but certainly have a different feel to them. Uh, and mm. some, some interesting music. And um, it's quite good fun watching it with a Sicilian. As well. <laughs> that adds a certain <laughs> uh, angle to it that maybe not everybody gets. Um, but yeah, I suppose... John Syracuse of of the internet, he of the internet, a famous Italian American. Um, you know, it does point out that Italian Americans are are a different thing from Italians or indeed other Americans. There is a specific subset, um, but yeah, it's good. It's good fun, and it's one of those things that mm. there are. I think eighty odd episodes, so you can just you know settle down and click one and click one and click one, and then go. Yeah, it's time to go to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's past midnight we should sleep oops <laughs> yeah it's gonna be up in oh 20 <laughs> minutes oh dear um as if. well that's enough for half an episode might as well just jump back in <laughs> as if i'm i'm still mostly asleep by 10 o'clock tj let's be honest um <laughs> what about listening then what have you been listening to well first off i want to check if you did your homework did you listen to the pleb soundtrack as instructed well, indeed, but for me, obviously, it was a very different experience because I was going, oh, I remember that. <laughs> Whereas you were going, oh, what is this newfangled That's music That's new type? and exciting. <laughs> it's, it seems reggae-esque to my ear. Mm. Um, yeah, so no, it's, it's good. There's some great songs in there. Yeah, I, I'm still listening to that on and off. It's a, it's a good one for on the train for me or walking into work because it's got a nice rhythm to it mm-hmm. and it's nice and upbeat. So it's good for sort of start of the day energy. Hang on, um, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've just, I've just got a mental image of TJ sort of strutting 
along the streets of Belfast with this sort of <laughs> cool scar beat going on. Yeah, no, I can see it. I can see it. There are people looking yeah. at you. TJ, no one else wow, can hear it. <laughs> that guy, that guy's happy with himself. That's what they're thinking. <laughs> He's listening to something cool. We can't hear it, so the, it's lost on us. <laughs> they probably can't even see the headphones. Oh, they can because the headphones are the size of Kansas. Are they? Yeah. I'm using little ones. I'm using the little uh, earpods. So no, I'm oh, they probably, the big probably ones think, at the minute. But they probably just think you're using some class A narcotic. Bopping, <laughs> having a good time. <laughs> but that's my that's my early morning kind of music. Um, then in the evenings, I've been listening to lots of lo-fi, L-O-F-I. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really good, and it's it's a double-edged sword, and then it's really good. It's nice, kind of chill, relax. You don't really listen to a specific artist or a specific song. It just kind of bleeds together. It's like elevator music or background music. It's quite soothing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, Athena really likes it as well. It's nice and relaxed. So if we're, you know, she's down in, in her bassinet sleeping, we'll maybe put some of that on because it's nice and there's no lyrics. It's just kind of nice background soothing music. And that's sort of from sort of four or five o'clock onwards, that would be more of what we're listening to unless we're specifically like making dinner or something. But um, my my programming and, and working music at the minute, like if I'm actually doing some some computer work where I need to think and specifically programming, I find I did a lot of um, for my master's degree, I did a lot of my work to this uh, band Master Boot Record, mm-hmm. which is kind of like if someone played a Nintendo 64, like a guitar. It's, it's different. I really like it. It's, it's sort of chip metal. So it's, it's very programmatic. It's very, uh, synthesized. Yeah. Listen to it. Master boot record. Listen to it and see what you think. If you don't like it, then you won't like the rest. It's all <laughs> much in the same vein, but, uh, I find it's really good. It kind of the opposite of lo-fi, but also the same. It has no real, I think there's one or two songs of lyrics, but it's it's mostly instrumental. Uh, but I find it's a nice cadence for work. So it, it lets me sort of switch off thinking and just start doing. Uh, so those are my sort of three modes at the minute. I've got a few songs for sort of walking and, and tra- what's transmitting, not transmitting, commuting. Um, and then some relaxing stuff and then some worky stuff as well. It's a nice sort of blend I'm working with at the minute. Very good, very good. I'm you. You've talked about Master Boot Record before, and I went off and listened to them. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. They they were uh, yeah yeah mm, yeah. Mm. yeah I, <laughs> I, well, I, you, that's good. Like, if you don't like it, that's you should you know it's self selection. Don't don't listen to more. I, so exactly. you find what else you like. No, no. I, uh, <laughs> I, I like I said, it was like okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. Am I going to listen to it again? No, probably not. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, what have I been listening to? Uh, well, I've, I've been trying to listen to less. Uh, so um, when I go out walking dogs, uh, which for all sorts of reasons is, is much more complicated these days than it should be. But um, I, I don't wear the headphones. I just sort of, you know, sort of listen to the birds and uh, get into nature. The rhythm of the earth. Yes, mm. yes. All that very nicely, but rhythm of the earth. Let me run that down. Um uh, music, uh, again, I'm trying to be a bit more mindful. So uh, I do have uh, some, I suppose, background stuff that I tend to to drop into, uh, as you sort of hinted at, just trying to create sort of context shifts when, uh, yeah. when I'm looking to write or study. Um, I'm going into sort of stuff like Moby and 
um, you know, I, I guess chill electronic, that sort of stuff yeah. that just bumbles along in the background without disturbing me. Uh, but today I was listening to Japan, who were big again before you were around. But um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I know. Don't worry. Uh, early eighties band. Um, headed up by a guy called David Sylvian. Um, and then Lou Reed, who, well, he was before my time, in fairness. Um, 1972 was his album, Transport. It used to be in the Velvet Underground. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, what would you know? Um, uh, Perfect Day, uh, which was then covered by U2. Yeah. yeah 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 that's one of his walk on the wild side uh that's uh on an album called transformer have a listen to to transformer and you'll understand why a lot of musicians think that lou reed was one of the best uh songwriter singer he knew his stuff this boy um it's a great album transformer um and that's a about it really I, i've still got my sort of heavy my diet of heavy ish rock music um so metallica <laughs> foo fighters acdc that's yeah that's bizarrely yeah. that's what i listen to on my way to golf or if i'm practicing people go sorry metallica <laughs> golf um and the argument i try and give is that that golf is about rhythm playing good golf is about rhythm and um Heavy rock has rhythm that even I can't mm. miss. So I think I think that's why double bass drum rhythm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Loud rhythm. Um, uh, so there you go. Yes, that's me listening. What about reading? Have you been reading or, or have you been listening? I've been doing a little bit of both. Actually, I didn't even write that one, and you just reminded me. So there is a fourth entry to my list. Oh. I'll start with the easy stuff. I've been reading a lot of stoicism. I'm doing a little bit of research in the library, getting different books that I haven't read before, older texts, things like that, just to kind of, I don't know, flesh out my understanding. And uh, some of it's revisiting, some of it's just. You've got to share those, DJ. You've got to share those because that's uh, that's something I'm interested in. I I expect a shared note in something on its way. (laughs) I will will, uh, document my work. I'll cite my sources um, just to kind of like flesh out that understanding. I've got my my sort of sweet treat reading, which is the the next Terry Pratchett book in the line mm-hmm. for me, which is Soul Music, yep. which is actually you're mentioning Metallica. Um, I don't want if you've never read any Terry Pratchett books, do uh, Soul Music sort of skewers and makes fun of the music industry a little bit and just in general playing music, as many Terry Pratchett books do. They kind of t- pick a topic and sort of make fun of it in a very wholesome, loving way. And uh, soul music is brilliant because it's got trolls in it and they play music with rocks in it, which is sort of a, a weird allegory for rock music. Um, and it, it's really funny. It's really good. And it, I, I have nothing bad to say about any of those books. It's I stick it on the Kindle. I pick it up. I read for half an hour. I feel better afterwards, which is always a good thing to, for a book to do. So I'm probably about three quarters of the way through that. And then I'll be... I've got three or four already purchased on the Terry Pratchett uh, read list. So I'm just slowly working my way through when I feel like I need a little uplift of uh, literary positivity. And uh, my third one, and probably the most, the most, I don't know, intellectual of them is uh, Sappho's Love Poems. It's a sort of fifth century uh, BC 
Greek, translated about a bajillion times, uh, and basically just surviving from fragments. So it's not even a full poem. It's you know, snippets of a poem. Um, fascinating. Really, really wonderful work. There's a reason why people love this stuff. And um, yeah, not something that I read, but something I'd heard about. And so now I'm just trying to round out my understanding and balance things that I've normally knew of, but never really knew about. So I want to try and deepen that understanding and just, I don't know, figure these things out, read them for myself. So yeah, Sappho's love poems. There's there's a whole bunch of different um, translations and different books you can get. Um, they're all good as far as I can tell. I'm not an expert. I don't know. But the one I have is very good. And the one I'm reading, it, as I say, it's snippets of poems because most of them were lost. Um, but to see what someone can sort of pull together with two fragmented lines of a poem and you're still impressed after it's been translated from Greek sort of 2,500 years ago, it's pretty impressive for it to, to maintain some form of, I don't know, meaning and, and I don't know, beauty in that so fascinating to read and again not not easy definitely there's times you need to read three or four times but um i wanted to challenge myself and so that's my current sort of academic reading per se wow. uh, which is really good i'm really enjoying that but and very accessible if you want to go on i'm sure your library has it uh, close to wherever you are but also i think it was six or seven pounds for the book on amazon so it's not inaccessible it's just it's not uh a david grisham david grisham is it david grisham john grisham yeah um it, it's not an airplane book it's something that you need to read with a bit more sort of thoughtful concentration i suppose it's not complicated it's just it's not something you pick up and and blast through two or three paragraphs or one or two chapters and feel great it's uh it makes you think which i think is good and then you mm. reminded me i am actually listening to a book as well which is the next Neil Stevenson book, sort okay. of very big science fiction author. Uh, and this one's about climate change, cheery topic as it is. <laughs> uh, and it's called Termination Shock. And I'm listening to that on Audible. And it's really, really good. I really like Neil Stevenson. He's up there. There's sort of Neil Stevenson and Daniel Suarez are two of my favorite sort of sci-fi technical authors. They read a lot of detail about a lot of things. And as a nerd, listening to the ins and outs of how Levy's work, when you're reading about a, a book about climate change, unnecessary for most people, but fascinating. I really enjoy, you know, you're introduced to a story and then it goes into great detail about why this story is important and why this character has this motivation and what that means. And it's not only person dense and, and sort of character dense, it's very sort of factually dense as well. There's a lot of explanation about a lot of things. Um, but yeah, I always like listening to them. I, they, they absorb me. I end up listening to maybe an hour a day when I'm, tr I'm commuting and it does just pull me in. And I enjoy, I enjoy stories like that where you come away. And this, I think, is probably why I can regurgitate nonsense facts sort of now and again that people are vaguely, not Im impressed is the wrong word, perplexed I think is more accurate. Why do you know that? Why do you know where that thing is? Why do you know how that works? I don't know. Listen to it. I always find that fun. To be able to just throw up something that you learned or read or heard that is interesting because it's not something many people would know. Not because it's necessarily interesting on its own, but you're like, oh, yes, I was talking about this thing. And you go, oh, I know a hyper specific detail about that that no one else cares about. <laughs> oh, 
conversation stopper for sure. But uh, <laughs> it's a it's a fun side hobby of mine. This is, has reminded me of a couple of things I need to at least just rewind. Don't, don't worry, TJ, I'll mm. fix it in post. Um, <laughs> as if. Um, watching something that I think you would love. Um, it's just started uh, again. It's on BBC One. Uh, it's called Italy's Invisible Sissies. Um, and it's mm. Ale- Alexander Armstrong, um, who you might know from Pointless, the quiz game, early evening. Yes, um, yeah. and indeed his yeah, he's he's quite a funny fellow, uh, and Doctor Michael Scott, uh, who is a sort of uh, well n- not a sort of anything he's a historian. Um, they I saw the first part just this weekend, and it's um, the the premise is that they look under three great Italian cities to to see what history they can uncover. Uh, which sounds weird, largely because it's weird. Um, the first <laughs> one is Naples. Um, mm-hmm. And in about five minutes, I learned more about volcanoes than I managed in several years at school. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a geography degree in an episode. Where it's geography and uh, technology and history and just, sort of mind-blowing stuff there's there's one scene where they um they're looking at uh heraclium which is one of the ancient cities on the bay of naples that would have been subsumed by the big eruption way back when Mm -hmm. and there's uh there's a bridge and there are arches under the bridge that's all i'll say um, but what they discover about that and uh, what is demonstrated to you is just, uh, it's astonishing. It's the, I, I think it will be right up your street. And um, if you're listening mm. to this podcast, you probably quite like it too. So I dare say you can find <laughs> it. Um, you can find it on, um, uh, what do you call it? iPlayer. Um, or okay. Yeah, BBC yeah. Select or something. I don't know. But Italy's Invisible Cities. I think there are only, only a few episodes um, because there's, uh, when he was talking about the sort of season to come, he's, they're doing three cities, Naples, uh, Florence, and uh, Venice. Mm, um, I've been sorry. to Venice. Now I've been to the other two. Uh, well, TJ, as they say, see Naples and die. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's brilliant. I'll, I won't say any more about that. Uh, and the other one, which is... Mm. Uh, it's a random one. I may have mentioned this to you before, but if you go onto YouTube um, and you look up um, Larnell Lewis and Enter the Sandman, um, Larnell Lewis is a drummer of some repute. Uh, I think you sent me this. Yeah, it's it's the one where he he listens to Enter the Sandman once, yes. and then plays the drum yeah, part. Oh my, yeah, this guy, <laughs> and it's like, oh, let me just listen. Yeah, I know how to play that. Oh, interesting use of that. And then he yeah. just goes and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, that's what true competence, that's what true skill looks like as someone that can listen once and go, oh, yeah, of course, it's this. Oh, interesting little doodle-doot. Let's just do that. Yeah, he, he identifies when he's Astrid. listening to it. Yeah. He identifies it. I say, oh, I'm going to forget that. Yeah, that <laughs> that thing shouldn't be there. I'm going to forget that. And sure enough, he does. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, yes, sorry. So um, there we are. Um, what have I been reading? Uh, well, I'm reading the Daily Stoic, uh, you know, as as intended. So starting on the 1st of January, mm-hmm. I'm doing my little my little daily reading. So that's my probably my morning focus, uh, which I'm quite enjoying. Um, it's, you know, it's a couple of pages. It's, I mean, when I say it's a couple of pages, it's a couple of pages on my phone. So it's probably half a page on, on, on yeah. a handle. Um, yeah. And it's just nice to have something to think on while I'm sort of munching on my breakfast. Um, mm. I've recently read a book called Sleep by uh, Nick Littlehales. Um, he's he's um, he, he's the Larnell Lewis of sleep. I mean, this guy um, <laughs> used used to work for David Brailsford, who was the guy that revolutionised cycling. Uh, you know, Olympic cycling for for the UK. Uh, he's worked with sort of pretty much every famous footballer ever, as far as I can work out. Uh, and he's all about the sleep. He really is all about the sleep. Uh, and uh, astonishing, some of the stuff he he gets into. Um, really good book. I, I heartily recommend it. It's not it's not a huge read, mm. um, but full of interesting information and really practical as well. Particularly for you know people who have tiny people knocking about the place who I imagine <laughs> pretty much command the schedule. Um, Somewhat. Yes. So that was a good one. Uh, and another one I've just read is stolen focus by uh, Johan Harry, which is, uh, I mean, the name kind of gives it away. Um, but yeah, stolen focus, why you can't pay attention anymore or something like that. Um, and it's about all those things that we've discussed before, you know, the algorithms and, you know, very, very clever engineers who've been to MIT and Stanford working out how to, you know, keep your eyeballs on their screens. Um, mm. And just, I suppose, because I'm I'm in the choir, it's quite nice to be preached at uh, every now and again. Um, <laughs> and just sort of reaffirm my, my increasing dislike for all of this stuff. Uh, so that's a good book. I'd recommend that too. And yes, lots of MBA stuff, which I definitely would not recommend. Um, applied leadership (laughs) there's something to get you to sleep at night drinking what are you drinking TJ well we'll get on to the reasons shortly but I haven't been uh, eating calories or consuming calories um, Mm. in the early part of the day and so that means when I want a coffee in the morning it can't have milk in which is something Uh I've really struggled with ever since I started drinking coffee which I can pinpoint to sitting in a green room in a local TV studio in Toronto, Canada. And I was like, well, might as well. It's six in the morning. I'm here all day. I'll try this because I was making the coffee for the green room. And then that was what started this, this torted love affair with coffee. Um, but I've, ever since then, I've drunk it with milk. I've always and, and very rarely would I have it as black coffee because it's like, eh. Ah, the mouth feels different. I don't like the taste as much. Ah, all the reasons that you have for not drinking black coffee. And I I persevered. That was, ooh, 10 or so years ago, maybe. Maybe longer. Hard to, I can't remember time. But um, I've never really leaned into the black coffee trend. Um, a lot of my friends did. And funny enough, Separate people, separate friend groups, separate uh, ways I know them. And it was always the same reason. Well, we ran out of milk. I'm not going to go get more milk, but I want the coffee. So I'll have black coffee. And then 
that happens three days in a row and all of a sudden they don't drink milk anymore. Uh, that never happened. I'm too efficient. I always ensured I had milk. So <laughs> I've never, I've never, I've never necessity, uh, mother that she is never came calling. So I'm now trying to drink black coffee and it's okay. It's not as good. Definitively. It's not as good, but I am in the mornings drinking black coffee and not being like, Ugh, oh, my bother. So yeah, it's, it's about a week and a half now of no calories in the morning until about one or two. And it's working, you know, it, it, I, I, it's good. It, the, ca- the coffee is there for the caffeine, not for the flavor as much. Um, so it, it is nice, but I do miss, I do miss my lattes too. Oh dear. Well, I, I can't remember where, but um, I, well, I mean, okay, I moved to France and started drinking espresso and that was, that was the end of milk for me. But I did at a later <laughs> date remember reading somewhere, milk is for baby mammals. Um, quite fine. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I, I will have a latte, I suppose, I don't know, once a fortnight, something like that. Um, and it's, it's nice in a kind of, you know, it's a meal sort of way. Well, that's, that's how it feels to me. It, it doesn't feel like coffee. It feels like some sort of weird hybrid dessert, dessert. without much substance. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, for similar reasons, uh, to you, I'm, I'm drinking water. Um, I'm still, I'm still dry. I haven't had a drink in six months or so. So, um, uh, thank you. So yes, I'm, I'm repeating my year of abstinence and just sort of not going back to unabstinence, whatever that might be. What is the opposite of abstinence? I'm not sure. Continuance. I don't know. Sinning? (laughs) getting stuck in um so yeah uh, water <laughs> cracking on i think is the technical term <laughs> yes exactly some sometimes sometimes i push the button and have fizzy water but mostly i'm a good old-fashioned adam's ale there we go i'm gonna live forever probably not anyway <laughs> buying what have you been buying oh everything and it's okay but everything so let's see biggest to smallest um technically haven't bought it but we did go and look at a new car <clears throat> which we're going to get hopefully at the end of this year um we have a ideal for our car it's like you you pay monthly and it's like a finance deal type thing mm-hmm. um i looked at a bunch of different options including buying cars things like that this seems the most reasonable uh because megan who megan had her car for three for a couple of years now um gave us a really good deal so went down it's a little Peugeot um funny enough uh, justin and i on our last uh we have a little mastermind call if people didn't know that uh justin and Stu and i have most uh, every other sunday and uh Stu was late and so justin and i were, were chatting um justin being the uh the bearded canadian that Stu records his other podcast with um and we were comparing my pathetic puny little european car to what can only be described as a monster truck north american monster <laughs> truckosaurus um, and uh truckosaurus rex and it is funny he's just like oh so the engine is you could fit mine in it that's how big it is that is exactly one peugeot's worth of engine and uh <laughs> it's funny comparing them but like we have a wee peugeot i think it's a 2008 or 2008 mm-hmm. um which is a great little car it's only 1.6 liter engine nice and efficient nice and you know nippy does everything we need to do got all the seats nice and safe all that jazz and this is just the new version of that. So we went and had a look at that. Not, it's not signed yet, but we are probably at the summertime swapping over to that, which is great. So we'll have a nice new, 
version of the same car, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, this is a, this is an argument for another day. I have battled our current car for three years trying to get CarPlay to work and it never has once worked. Oh. And the rage that I feel towards this inanimate object is unrelenting and unreasonable. And <laughs> went in to see the, the, this new one and happened to mention to the guy, oh yeah, CarPlay doesn't work. And he's like, oh, it's just a cable problem. You just need a, a proper Apple cable. And I was like, I, I don't think so. But also, I can't say that you're not right. You know, I've never tried that. I had tried a bunch of cables I had. I never tried an official USB-A to lightning cable. Mm-hmm. So 19 pounds from the Apple store and two days later it arrived. And I thought, right, this could be it. This could be CarPlay in the car working. Because the, again, I'm, I'm not getting into the weeds, but like the, the, the particular onboard navigation slash entertainment system, infotainment, I think is the technical term of the Peugeot is comparable to a 1986 calculator in terms of quality and, uh, you know, sort of effectiveness. I, I, it's the one piece of software in this universe that I actively hate. <laughs> and I was very excited at the prospect of getting CarPlay and having just a thing that worked. I went out and plugged it in. And 26 minutes later, after a massive amount of swearing at a car, it did not work. So still, the, 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 Mm. The tale of the, the car plague continues. And so I will be <laughs> following that one up in a future episode because I really want, it's not even that I really want car play. I just want anything but the, the Peugeot system that's there. It's so bad. So I'm looking forward to potentially it working in the new car if it doesn't keep working in this one. And you're so rectifying it by see. buying a new car. <laughs> there we are. Well, the new cable didn't work. So it was the only other variable <laughs> I've got. <laughs> CarPlay solved. <laughs> uh, and that was that's the biggest thing. We haven't bought it yet, so it's just a it's a potential. So moving on, I bought a bread maker, which is amazing. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people that bake their own bread. Well done. I'm very proud of you, but I don't have time for that. But I want a gadget, and I want to make bread, and those two things culminate in a bread machine. So it's a Panasonic bread machine. It's really, really cool. And I spend far too much time, you know, nerding out over how it does things and what it does and, and making a lot of bread. And, and Megan did that thing that, that partners sometimes do. She was like, okay, yeah. And she was supportive, but I would say hesitant. Not, she was like, yeah, sure, it's your money. You get whatever you want. But it was the, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I, I, as usual... And I, I'm not even kidding. I had made charts and graphs to show how much money this bread maker would save us over time <laughs> because we have pizza once a week and we buy pizza dough and it's pre-made and it's like 270 or something for pizza dough. And I was like, but I can make pizza dough for pennies on the pound. Pennies <laughs> on the pound, sweetheart. And, and every week. And if I, so if you look at the burn down chart by week 66, we, the bread maker's paid for itself. And literally, I I, ha- I kid you not, and you know this is true, I have graphs for it and I have breakdowns <laughs> and costs and stuff. And Megan did the most sort of tactical kind of, okay, yeah, no, you get it, sure. And I have used it. And I think she's shocked that I've used it because I have actually made a lot of bread and a lot of pizza dough and a lot of stuff yeah. with it. I've used it to, an awful lot. To the extent that pizzas are a thing of the past in the Cosgrove household and will be now for the next 10 years. I expect new charts 
revised revised <laughs> calculations on the basis that nobody could stand the sight of the bread machine. <laughs> Even well, Athena's voting that she's now. Yeah, she's like, no, Dad, I'm all right, thanks. No more homemade bread. You're all right. Um, but like, I've actually used it to the point where Meg was like, okay, and she she did actually say she's like. I thought it was going to be a, a fad. I thought you were going to be really jazzed about a gadget and that was just going to sit in the cupboard. Um, but it hasn't. And so I've actually, I think I've won her over on the bread machine front because I do use it a lot. It's actually, right now, it's baking a white loaf. It should be done in about 45 minutes. And that's our bread for the week. And it works really nicely and the bread's delicious and it costs pennies. And it's one of those few moments where you're like, I need a tech item. And it works out. It's not just a gimmick. It's not just a, yeah, I wanted a new phone. And did I need it? No, but I wanted it. So anyway, this is a genuine, like, I have, I can see cost savings. And we are just a shy 19 months from breaking even on this bread maker. So, you know, watch this space. Uh, well, I mean, I, we can have we can have monthly updates on the bread machine. We'll have a new category um, in the show notes. <laughs> I will post a picture to the Slack of this this loaf once it finishes. I will post it completely without comment. And then when this episode drops at the end of the month, people will finally understand that's what that was. If you're in the Slack and you saw the bread, this is the bread. Ah, there we go. All right, so we're halfway through your list. Where <laughs> where else? What have you seen? We are. <laughs> Probably the next most expensive is uh, a passport. Um, oh. We are potentially traveling at some stage this year. And uh, my dad wanted to do a little bit of traveling as well. And so there was a, okay, we need to get Athena a passport. Okay, we need to get Athena a passport relatively quickly. Not not like next week, but soonish. And so there's a service where you can pay a little extra and go down to the passport office with your stuff and hand it to them. And then they go, yep, that's the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's in the post now. And so we did that. Meg did that the other day. And the sort of gears of bureaucracy are slow, you know, that is that is not a, a shock to many. And I was kind of expecting it to be painful and slow and effort. And Megan went down with this paperwork and got it all filled out, got it all witnessed, did all the stuff and took it down. And I was expecting, oh, yeah, still here. They're still working through this. Yeah, they're still trying to do this. Yeah. And literally she got into Belfast and I was working from home that day. She got into Belfast and about 10 minutes later, on my way home. What? Were they closed? No, no, no. It's done. Be here on Wednesday. Uh, oh, there's. Oh, uh, hmm. I don't know what to do with all this misplaced you know, begrudgment. I was expecting to be grumpy because it wasn't done and it's done and it arrived indeed this afternoon. So the passport is not only did it take less time than expected, it arrived faster. So something very strange is happening in local government that it is working and it's coming through on time. Uh, on budget and uh, within expectations. Well, what can I say? I had to to order a passport from here. Order a passport, apply for a passport from here. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's this wonderful logic that it's one of those ones that just leads me, it's like dealing with Apple, to be honest. So I... I go through the forms and you can do it all online now, as long as you're capable of taking a photo of yourself, which is actually a lot harder than it might seem. But anyway, I get to the point after 37 attempts of my photo has been accepted, all my data's there and um, send us your old passport. Sorry, why would I send you my old passport? 
I thought, hmm. So I phoned up help and asked them, why, why would I send you my, I'm, I'm abroad. <laughs> I kind of need it. Yeah, but your new one's coming. Mm, yeah, you say that, but do you know what? I'll keep the old <laughs> one until the new one arrives. How's that? Trustful. Um, and they're like, um, jump out of the airplane and we'll give you the parachute halfway down. Yeah, a bit like that. And it's, um, um, well, uh, you, you've got to send us the passport, I'm afraid to. I said, okay, well, what if I'd lost the passport? Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> it's lost then. I said, I said, sorry? I said, so if I've lost the passport, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, I've lost the passport. Okay, so if you just want to take the right box. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Weird machine. <laughs> well, the final item is not that exciting. It's a flatbed scanner. Something that I thought I had gotten rid of with the, the loss of our printer, which was, as many home printers are, garbage, I think is the mm. French. Yes, um, Truly, truly awful. And, and it had a terrible scanner built in the top and we got rid of it because it was awful. Uh, and then actually after mum passed, I was going through the house and getting out loads of old photos. And I'm going to try and digitize a lot of the old ones and sort of yep. put them online and share them with my family so that everybody has them. Because at the minute there's, there's various photos from decades worth of photograph taking spread. All, well, they were spread across the house. They're now in a box in my living room. And they were also just everywhere and no order and no organization. And, you know, well, here's 10 photos of my brother and here's six photos of dad and here's photos from our honeymoon. It's like, oh, this is a massive mixture. So I want to slowly digitize them. And I've started now with this flatbed scanner, which is actually really snazzy, much nicer than the older ones. It's just USB. So I have a USB-C adapter, plug it into the air and it just goes. Software mm -hmm. installed, it works. 600 dpi nice high quality scan auto crops and then that's it just sticks it on the desktop and you can file it away in icloud so i'm slowly processing all the photos i have which is probably a couple of thousand at this rate so it's every now and again i'll bust it open and do 20 or 30 so it'll be, be a couple of months at least but um it's really nice it's really lovely to see old photographs and you go oh, i remember that or i forgot we did that and it's funny how cyclical some things are you know, you see photographs from, from decades ago and realize that it's a pattern that you live and that's things that you do or it's, you know, stuff that's in your, your family, I don't know, your family sphere. And so it was my brother's birthday the other day and our, one of our family traditions is we get, and if you're in the UK, you know what this is. If you're not, sorry, a caterpillar cake, and I call on the caterpillar, like a the caterpillar chocolate Swiss roll cake is the, mm -hmm. the standard Cosgrove birthday cake of choice. And, uh, Mum would normally have organised it, so my brother and I organised it for my brother this year, and uh, it was lovely. We all went out, did some bowling, and had this this cake the next day, and it was lovely. It was really fun. We took some video with Athena, and everybody was there. It was lovely, and then I found this photograph just the other day. It's on my desk here, and it's of um, myself. I'm sitting on the floor. My mum's dad, so my grandfather, is sitting on the chair. Seth, my little brother, is sitting on his lap. My cousin is sitting over the side. My other cousin standing beside. My brother. Harry is standing, looking over everybody's shoulder. And on the table in front of us is a Colin the Caterpillar cake. And this is probably 1997, I guess. I'm guessing by my age, sort of, I'm eight or nine at, at most. Mm -hmm. And it's just lovely. It's lovely seeing that, you know, there is probably one of the first cakes that Seth had, because he's very young in this photo. 
It, m- it must be actually, it must be like 1999 because he's about two. So, you know, that's, it's seeing the history in the photographs. And another one that I found a while ago, I think I might have mentioned it before. I really like it, the specific kind of tractor, the Ferguson TE20. And I'm really jazzed about it. I think it's a really cool tractor. It's Northern Irish. Lots of reasons why. Anyway, I find a photo uh, in this batch of photos, which is me sitting on, technically not the same, it's an FE35, so it's very, 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 very close, but it's not exactly the right tractor, um, with my dad, and I must be three, and I'm sitting on one of these, and I now have this photo framed above my desk, and it's like, <laughs> someday I will have that tractor again. And I, I'm actually trying to find, <laughs> yeah. But like, I didn't, I, I did not know this photo existed. I'd never, I remember reading up on this a couple of years ago and going, that's really cool. I want that one. Never having previously associated with a memory or anything. And so sitting on this is either some deep seated memory or completely out of the blue. Um, but I just, I love that. And I found another one with a, a PlayStation 1, you know, some, I think it was uh, Christmas 1997. And it's me holding a PlayStation 1, very excited about, about to go play Crash Bandicoot. And just those memories and seeing those things now that we have Athena and I can sort of see she'll start to make those memories soon. It's brilliant. It's really lovely. And so it's a really nice way of remembering mum and remembering family and and just, you know, paying tribute to that stuff and then digitizing it so everybody can enjoy it is a really nice thing. So while it is slow and a bit laborious, I'm I'm very happy to do it. And it's one of those things that you pay. the, The scanner was like 60 quid or something. It's not unreasonable. Um, but it means you can back these things up and share them much more easily. And sure. already, since looking through them, I've sent them to, to cousins and family and aunties and things like that. And be like, oh, do you remember this? Do you remember this date? And it is, it's such a lovely way of bringing people together when you have old photographs like that that you can then share, especially if it's just through WhatsApp or something. It's not about getting everybody around. You can share even if you're not in the same place. Very good. Well, I mean, it's a lot of buying. Hmm. Yeah, a lot so of frittering nothing there. Actually, for the year, I'd say, or possibly the decade. Well, yeah, no, that's until Athena graduates. Uh, mm, so she needs to start paying rent before I'm going to spend more money on flatbed scanners. I, I should, I should say so. I mean, the, I mean, the repayment on the flatbed <laughs> scanner that must run into to years. <laughs> well, you know what? We're still we're financing the bread machine, so we should of be course. all right. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> never let them know that you have to do them all at the same time, TJ. As long as they don't understand that, you can get away with anything. <laughs> it's a corporate secret there of leaks. Um, well, for me, it's been the year of unexpected expense. I mean, every time, every month, I've thought, okay, right, I think I think we've got on top of things now. We're going to be all right. Oh, <laughs> what's, what, what's that? Oh, a new bill. Oh, we did that, did we? Oh, right, okay. Um, and so this month's uh, little bonus was uh, dog number one, Spice, um, the beloved Cypress Poodle, uh, requires an MRI. Uh, she's got she's mm. got a problem with her spine, bless her. Mm, puppy. And uh, the whole thing is just so incredibly Cypriot. The, okay. We, I think the best thing is to do an MRI. Okay, all right, Michalis, let's 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 do an MRI then. That's fine. So you agree that we do an MRI? I'm thinking hmm, that's twice now he's asked me. So sure. Um, wait, is it expensive? Yes. 
okay. Um, let I Marina will find out. She'll send you a text. Right. Okay. Cool. So I I go off, and I was actually uh, on a completely separate story. I was I was at at my tattooist. <laughs> of course, one has a tattooist. <laughs> so um, I was I was talking to uh, my tattooist about future tattoos. And a text message came through, and it, it was quite odd. So essentially, what it said is, "MRI, six hundred and fifty euros, twenty two thirty next Wednesday." I thought, "Wow, wow, that's that's a chunk of change." And look, to to my eternal shame, I am a Scot. I the thought. I could get a new dog for 650 euros. did go through my mind very quickly, and I dismissed it. Um, and I forwarded the text to, to Mrs. L, who replied, can they not do one earlier? No mention <laughs> at all of the 650 euros. <laughs> so essentially what happens is that these posh clinics, private clinics for humans, have a thriving night trade in pet MRI scanning. So I slipped oh. through a back door at half past ten at night to sit in the staff area. The dog was given an she was basically given an injection and anesthetic on the kitchen table. And then she's carried in, they do an MRI and sort of deliver her back an hour later. It's absolutely bananas. <laughs> um <laughs> But she, she's had her, her MRI. We'll get some results next week and um, work out where to go from there. And I have to say, mm. she's taking pain relief at the moment and she's she's moving much better and hopefully she'll Good. be fine. Um, but it's just every, like I say, every time I think I've got a handle on finances, something comes along and kicks me squarely in the, well, anyway. Um, so, like, uh, what else did I buy? I bought, I bought a head cover for a for a for a golf club that's, that's the ex- extent of my expenditure of, of things that are in my mind nice anyway um parish notices oh yeah we mentioned it at the top of the episode but my daughter is a quarter of a year old which is Hooray! insane yeah sort of 25 percent of a birthday yeah um yeah Quarter of a caterpillar cake. Indeed, two slices. Um, it's it's one of those weird things that people tell you over and over and over again. Oh, it'll it'll pass so quick. You know, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. It'll pass so quick. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it does. Whoosh. And you're like, Whoosh. oh my goodness. What happened? Because she's she's much, much taller and bigger than she was when she was born. Obviously, that's not a surprise. But practically speaking, it's a very noticeable difference. So she was born at eight pounds. Last weigh-in, which was a couple of weeks ago, she was over 12, which is 50% of her body weight increased. She was born at 59 centimeters, which is, uh, you know, two feet. And she's definitely at least five or six centimeters taller than that now. It's just, every time you pick her up, she's bigger. And it's, it's just strange. Just very, very strange. And I'm sure parents have this all over the world every single time this is not a unique feeling but it is for me right now because i've never done it before and it 
we're just trying to enjoy all the moments because it is brilliant and it's it's scary and it's exciting and it's different and it's it's a learning curve. There are definitely times when you think, oh, that did not go how I expected. Uh, and there's other times when you're pleasantly surprised. You think, you know, maybe we'll, no, maybe you'll not sleep tonight. Maybe this will be a faff. And then she just surprises you and is wonderful. So, uh, so far, we're, we're both loving it. It's great. Megan's doing really well as well. She's actually, this is a Thursday we're recording on. This Saturday, she's going to go run her first park run uh, post-pregnancy which mm-hmm. is a 5k run. So uh, yeah, I'm super proud of her. She's doing really, really well. And uh, she puts me to shame with how completely natural all of this looks to her. I'm I'm figuring it out and I'm loving the whole journey. And Meg turns around and is just amazing from day one. Just <laughs> never has someone been so relaxed and so capable than, than my wife. Giving you the time to do a spreadsheet and a graph. <laughs> exactly sweetheart sweet i know you're trying to feed the baby but the spreadsheet about the bread maker really deserves some attention this evening <laughs> well talking of thursdays yeah. this is stinky <laughs> thursday and you told me this before is this I'm... a cheese thing <laughs> no it's no not. it's a, no it's not it's a fire thing it's a burning thing yeah it's a burning meat thing it's um it, yeah it's the beginning of carnival uh or you know mardi gras if you like so Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they, uh, today the Cypriots literally, I mean, the clinic that I was hiding in the back of to get an MRI for my dog last night has, was ready for Stinky Thursday. So that there was a fridge next to me packed full of diced pork. There was a barbecue <laughs> brought into the staff room. There were three bags of charcoal, several bottles of vodka, large bottles of beer, Everybody, all the offices, all the restaurants, basically puts a big barbecue on the street outside the office and cooks meat. That, that's what happens on Stinky Thursday. The place stinks of, of barbecuing meat. And it's essentially, it's, it's the last big blowout food-wise before Lent. Well, that's where it all comes from. It's all terribly religious. Um, mm. And it sneaks up on me every year. <laughs> Every year I find myself going, oh, it's Stinky Thursday. Oh. <laughs> Wait, yesterday was Wednesday. I can smell the meat. It must be Stinky Thursday. <laughs> and, then, and then I have Margaret going, we never, we never do anything for, for carnival. Like, oh, yeah, I never know when carnival is. So yeah, we've got a weekend <laughs> packed full of activities that have been booked in, but none of them involve going to the carnival because I had no idea the carnival was on. <sighs> anyway. Um, so the the big one for me, Camino Five, Camino Twenty Three, Camino Twenty Twenty Three, number five uh, is booked. Um, well, exciting. I say it's booked. It's booked for me. Um, so my my walking buddy Stu, who um, you know may listen to this, Stu, Stu, get on and book it. Um, he's sort of prevaricating because he's working at his wife is maybe going to come over to for the last day so we can sort of you know have a celebratory lunch which my wife was going to do but isn't going to do because she's going somewhere else now I mean, it's just all getting very confusing um as as sort of uh, i'm the nominated cosgrove of the, of the gang so i'm the guy with the <laughs> spreadsheets um i am yeah. mr logistics i've got the apps that um chart everybody's movements and so I'm sort of going back to him saying, 
just just looking at the website, it has gone up now by twelve euros. Uh, your flight. Um, and just to point out that you you do live in Ireland, so not not exactly Heathrow, mate. It's you know, mm, might might want to get a move. Um, and I think that's partly because I'd like to see him, and partly because I'm thinking, oh, I'm not really sure I'm going to go walking for five days on my own. But um, all the hotels are booked bar one, uh, which is in a mountain village, which is closed because it's cold. Um, and when that opens, hopefully, I will be able to book there. And yeah, very exciting. We'll get the Camino mm. finished. We will get to Santiago, go to the mass. I was going to say this is the final. Yeah, mm. this is uh, this is the one where uh, suddenly the sort of the lonely path of the Camino becomes sort of you know the Wembley Way uh, because you've got every Spaniard and his mate walking the last hundred kilometers because it's actually only the last hundred kilometers you need to walk to get the Compostela, which is the the sort of certificate. Uh, so, you know, us us sort of long timers who came from far, far away, or, or the airport in our case, um, we, we we get mobbed by by day trippers, and we just you know look very dismissively <laughs> at these people. Um, so there you go. That's that's my parish notices. You've done your parish notices. We're, well, we're an hour mm. and a half in. Um, I suppose we should get to the topic at some point. Hmm. What are we going to talk about tonight? I chose another pun. Newing me, newing you. Aha. Because <laughs> as soon as as soon as I heard what you were talking to, to Justin about, and I saw sort of what our show notes typically culminate in, and like a new February time, we're going to end up doing a new me, new you know, new year, new me type thing. Mm-hmm. And I figured might as well throw a pun in there for a bit of crack. And this this came to me unbidden when I was standing in the kitchen, so I thought I had to put it in, because why not? And uh, it's that same old thing. And I think we're both on the same page, and we're both considering this and thinking about this quite carefully at the minute. But it's the January, February, what else is on your mind, apart from, uh, I could probably be a bit thinner, but healthier. I could do more, I could eat less, all that kind of stuff. So I thought it'd be mm-hmm. interesting just to share notes, look over each other's shoulders and go, well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Because I figured that we're probably both uh, dealing with similar things, uh, possibly in different ways, and that might help to elucidate us on what works and what doesn't. Uh, and I have no doubt that uh, we will both approach it in our own <laughs> time-tested manners. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you'll use a spreadsheet, I'll use a wallet. Uh, and that's generally how it works. <laughs> um, and so, yes, to, to, your, to what, my first point, here we are, I'm serving. I hope you're in the, behind the baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, I have signed up to uh, Noom, which uh, if, you mm. are st- if you are on social media, you will know what Noom is because uh, these are people that like to advertise. Um, it's a little app that uh, you have on your, your mobile telephone device. Um, and the idea is you're supposed to log your food, uh, log what you drink, uh, you can connect it to your your fitness bands or watch or you know all of that good jazz. Um, uh, you should put your your weight in there. You know weight logging, exercise logging, water logging, food logging. It's it's a handbook for lumberjacks, really. Um, <laughs> uh, you pay. Uh, well, it, it felt like a king's ransom at the time, but 
you pay per month depends on how long you sign up for. There's sort of, sort of a whole dynamic pricing thing goes on in there. Um, and really, it's 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 sort of like HQ for your for your diet for your weight loss plan. Uh, there's lots of reading, uh, stroke listening, uh, of sort of tips and tricks, I guess, uh, psychology, facts about nutrition, uh, statistics about dieting, um, all in a very sort of encouraging way. It's like having a little cheerleader in your pocket. Um, you can get a free trial. And then after however long the free trial is, I, I forget, you you have the option to sign up or not. You set a target weight. Uh, it then sort of says to you, okay, this is your your calorie limit, as it were, or calorie, what do they call it, mm. weight, weight loss zone or something, um, based upon what you're trying to lose, what, what size you're starting at, you know, all of that sort of good jazz, reasonably scientific, I think. Um, and I've got to say, I've been using it for, well, I don't know, I suppose I started 7th or 8th of um, January. Um, and yeah, That's good. I like it. It seems to seems to encourage me. It's it's structured. I think it's probably the yeah the big thing for me. And it's one of those habits that gets easier the more you do it because the the app begins to learn what food you're about to log in. If you see what I mean, because you know, most of us are creatures of <laughs> habit. Ah, uh, 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 that better not be biscuits. <laughs> well, yeah, it 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 doesn't do that. It's um it's disapproving in a very sort of gentle American way. Um, it it it's not confrontational. It's it's not a Scottish app which would say, "Don't eat that, you'll be fat." <laughs> um, it's 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 um you know it's uh. At noon, we believe all food is okay in moderation, which I, I suppose in a way is, is equally damning, but there you go. Um, so that being said, the quadruple, triple stack burger you're about to consume is probably not the best choice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I suppose <laughs> to, to make this work, um, I looked at a couple of things and this rocket science I know, but the amount of stuff that I eat and the amount of calories that I burn. And I tried to, I think what undoes me or has undone me in the past is a lack of structure or um, a sort of a lack of knowledge. So mm. what I might consider a healthy lunch uh, after analysis turns out to be 1800 calories, which is, Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps on the high side. Uh, so yeah, the daily requirements for a female woman for lunch <laughs> yeah. is probably a little high. Mm. Yeah, well, and when I say lunch, I mean lunch one. Um, so <laughs> we've been using a thing called Recipe Box, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's a variation on the theme. It's like HelloFresh or any of those sort of delivery yeah, services yeah, yeah. where they bring you lots of nice nice uh, ingredients. Um, they bring you a little recipe card. And on the card is all the details. So there's the calorie count. There's how much protein's in there, how much fat's in there, uh, all the stuff that I have to log. So that's like, okay, um, A, we really enjoy that food. And B, it's, it's really keenly priced here. Um, and once you sort mm. of get all TJ Cosgrove about the thing and and start analysing, oh, look, this is this is cooking with no waste. 
oh wow actually this is probably cheaper than you know doing it yourself as it were uh plus obviously the convenience i mean i'm good at doing as i'm told yeah so here you go here's his his recipe follow it fantastic so i mean i what i cooked earlier today was um chinese spicy tofu with broccoli and noodles or something um sounds great it was beautiful. It was absolutely not something I would instinctively know how to cook. Um, and ingredients that I wouldn't necessarily have to hand all came in the perfect portions with instructions. Bang, bang, bang. And there you go. So that's that's our, our main meal. That's our evening meal. And we aim um, to sort of go. There are some of the those recipes that are quite high in calories, some that are very low. We aim around about 600 uh, for supper. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really nice. Uh, so then I thought, okay, what do I do for lunch? Um, and so we're trying a thing called Huel, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is human fuel, um, uh, which is uh, plant-based nutrition. It's a powder, um, I suppose, like a protein powder, but a bit more balanced than that, if you if you like. Um, uh, you mix it with water, and you know, two scoops of powder makes a very thick shake, which is four hundred calories. One scoop. It makes a thinner shake, which is 200 calories. Again, what I love about it is it's very structured. That's 400 calories. I know it is. That's lunch. Um, and psychologically for me as well, I'm trying to get to the point I'm going, okay, the food that I, I eat for, for breakfast or for lunch is is fuel. This is, um, you know, to power the <clears throat> high-performance engine that, <laughs> that is my body, um, I... This isn't about some sort of, you know, uh, gourmand experience. This is just about fueling, getting on with my life and, and all that stuff. And so using those two things, I have a very good handle on uh, on my calorie intake. I generally, for breakfast, I was sort of skipping it, but I'm being encouraged by Noom to eat some breakfast. So I'm, I'm having a little bit of fruit, maybe some cereal, but, um, you know, believe it or not, TJ, I'm standing there measuring out shreddies okay <laughs> there's 30 grams of cereal's shreddies. a tough one yeah uh, which is three shreddies if cereal's anything to go by <laughs> yeah it's there, there are some that work and some that don't but i'm, I'm trying to keep yeah. sort of breakfast around 200 250 lunch at 400 um and then uh yeah the dinner at around 600 throw in a sort of a huel bar as a snack um and an apple or two and you know i'm getting comfortably to where I want to go. Um, and I've changed golf club. And so I'm now back playing at where I used to play, uh, where I, I get around the golf course under my own steam. So I walk around uh, and my Apple Watch mm-hmm. tells me that that's about 2,000 kilocalories that I, I, I burn. I mean, it's a long walk. Um, mm. it's, I mean, I love it. It's really good for my, you know, for the soul, as it were. I play better golf, funnily enough, when I'm walking. Um, and so that gives me the the sort of room on a golf day. I can then eat what I want, really. So it's like uh, if, if we're going out for supper, I will try and organise to, to have a golf round that day, and then I can have I can have a steak and not feel feel worried about it. Yeah. Um, and as previously discussed, sleep. That's the other thing I'm looking at. Um, turns out sleep's really important. Um, a lot more important than one yeah. might imagine. Um, 
And so trying to just get better at doing that, making sure I get enough of it, um, get the right sort, uh, just, you know, trying to be a little bit scientific about it. Um, and yeah, so far, five kilos gone, um, which is uh, 11 wow, pounds well for those that speak in Peru. Mm. Um, to, to be honest, it's quite easier when you start at 128, which is where I started. So 128 point something. Um, and I'm determined to be less than 100 kilos when I go on Camino in October. So that's 29 kilos, give or take. Um, so yeah, five down, 24 to go. Um, I blogged about it uh, with all the numbers and all the facts because mm -hmm. I saw, yeah, you know, accountability. Um, and yeah, I've got to say, I'm not starving. I'm not hungry. Uh, oh, the, the, the water. Did I mention water? Yes, water logging. So yeah, I drink a lot of water. Um, yeah. And obviously not being a boozer um, really helps because I have yeah. in the past sort of been an incredibly healthy eater and, you know, oh, look at that. He's had half a tomato, bit of lettuce. What an athlete. Oh, he's just drunk two <laughs> bottles of Pinot Grigio. And now he's going on to a bottle of Merlot. Mm. Um, I see your problem and it's in those <laughs> bottles. Yes, it, it might be the 4,000 calories of alcohol you just consumed. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Liquid calories yeah. count as well. Dash it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my plan. It's going going all right so far. What are you doing, TJ? Mm. Well, I really liked your plan, actually. It's an, it's nice and it's, it's very stew, but it's nice to kind of optimize away uh, the the problems that you have and you know where your shortcomings are, you know where you struggle and mm. just take that decision away. So Noom, I, th I don't, I've never used it properly, but I did think, I think I've done their like intro questionnaire just out of mm -hmm. curiosity. So I went through that and I sort of started building a plan. And then once it got to the paywall, I was like, eh, we'll see and didn't. Um, Huel, I have used and do use now and again. I have a bag in work and I have a bag at home. And um because I'm doing intermittent fasting, it's sometimes nice to break a fast with a hundred calorie uh, shake, which mm -hmm. is quite nice. Um, and and they they do they taste good. They're not they're not as good as a milkshake because they're not a milkshake. No. They're not exactly. supposed to be full of fat and sweet and sugar, but they are well balanced. And you, you when you look at the ingredients, you look at what's in them. At least it's giving you a balanced, well rounded uh, feed rather than just yeah, here's protein powder or yes, here's a milkshake. It's it's a little bit more and considered which i appreciate sure. so for me it's intermittent fasting is the current thing uh, which i've done for a couple of years on and off mostly off recently uh, when i looked at the app which is zoom is it zoom no zoom's the the other one what's it called mm. zero um zero z-e-r-o okay. is the fasting app that i use um and to be honest it's not complicated zero is um just one app it's uh a 16 8 fast is what i'm doing okay. so 16 hours not eating eight hours eating mm -hmm. um i may well increase that but you don't need an app to do that you just need a, a watch so you just you don't need an app not to, to eat breakfast basically <laughs> effectively yes <laughs> but for me i yes you say that but when i actually looked at what was happening and what i wasn't doing with this sort of lifestyle change i realized that oh i was actually eating a lot or you know consuming a lot of calories before lunch I'm not really considering it. So I would have had a, you know, a milky coffee at home and then mm. had big breakfast and then come into work and be like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I have another coffee. And then I'll have 
like a snack bar, a cereal bar. None of these things on their own were bad. But when I looked at it before lunch, you know, breakfast was subsumed in sort of a, an eating frenzy that was more than half my daily limit mm, of just sure. the morning. And I've replaced that with black coffee. And mm-hmm. it, yes, it's effectively not eat breakfast, but it is a change. And for me, it, it's working so far. I am doing some reading and some I'm looking into longer fasts. I'm curious as to whether that would be feasible and or healthy for me. And it's something that it's not even so much the I wonder how much how, how good it would be for me. It's the the reset has been really useful for me for, OK, you might be hungry, but you're going to eat at one. So stop complaining. And I think when you live a very sheltered and privileged, privileged is exactly the word I'm looking for. When you don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from, it's very easy to never worry where your next meal is coming from. If you have a wallet and you're in town, you can go and get anything. It's not about will I eat? It's well, well, what what type of food? Shall I have a kebab? Shall I have a burger? Shall I have a sandwich? Shall I have a salad? It's anything is possible. And so that sort of cornucopia of calories is at your beck and call. And I thought it was really useful not eating and going, yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm hungry for lunch, but lunch is at one. So I'll continue to be hungry until then. I'll have some more water and get back to work. And that reset for me was really useful from a mental perspective to go, okay, I'm not commanded to eat at this time because I'm hungry. I can decide I'm all right. I'll just wait a little bit longer. And, and, you know, there there are people that struggle to eat, and so I'm very aware of that, and I'm very um, appreciative of the, the the great position that we're in to be able to not worry about that kind of stuff. Sure. But for me, it's trying to reset my own relationship with food, which has been negative in the past and has been, oh, I've had a rough day. You know what? I'll have a chocolate bar. You know, oh, I can't be arsed with this. Let's let's have a big dinner, and using that as an emotional coping strategy in some ways. Which yeah, that's absolutely is, the case with me. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels great in the moment, and then afterwards you're like, kind of don't feel great now. It was nice when I was eating it, and now I don't feel great because it's not necessarily the choice I wanted to make. So for me, that reset and just being aware of my own boundaries and limits and, and abilities is really useful. And I think it's important to do that with everything, not just food. It's important to, you know, you don't need to do all the things you think are essential. Most of them probably aren't. And just resetting that consideration, resetting that mental state is really useful for me. So the intermittent fasting is really good. I'm enjoying it. Um, the black coffee is not as good as milky coffee, but it is grand and it, it works. You know, it's, I, I think it's stronger. It feels stronger, certainly when it's black coffee rather than milk. Um, trying to get more sleep, generally doing OK. I was playing around with an app called Rise, which is like um, Noom for sleep, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they might have actually used that at one point. It's not bad. I'm enjoying. I'm not sure I'm going to go onto their um, their plan. I think it's sixty or seventy pounds a year, which again, if it works really well for you, is not unreasonable amount of money. But um, I paid, I think, three pounds or four pounds for a month's trial just to give it a proper go, uh, which I thought was a really nice touch. It's nice to be able to have like a week isn't really long enough to evaluate most things. So for me, I thought, right, let's try. The month, I'm about two thirds of the way through that month. I've enjoyed it. I've used the app a lot. Um, Probably not going to continue with it just because I feel like I'm getting into a rhythm and don't need the app. The same way as you don't really need zero to do fasting. But if it helps you and you like it, great. Um, 
I'm not sure that it's giving me much that I don't already know or can't already see with other tools. So I'm not necessarily going to jump into buying another subscription, mm -hmm. but certainly trying to sleep more and being more aware of my sleep and the quality of that sleep and going. One of the interesting ones is it, it pings you all the time and says, don't drink caffeine 10 hours before bed. I'm like, 10 <laughs> hours before bed? That's when I need caffeine the most. <laughs> uh, I've got 10 hours to go. You know, it, it is funny The you might be doing yourself a disservice without even really thinking about it. Um, so I, I, I do typically ignore those and drink coffee at two o'clock, which is probably not great, but I am sleeping better and I'm sleeping more. I think just being aware, again, being aware of your sleeping patterns yeah. and getting into bed and going, you know what? I'm going to try and go to bed at 10 because by the time I actually get sorted, it'll be 10.45 and I'll be in bed because inevitably you'll not get there in time. But at least it's not 11.45. And if I get uh, into yeah. bed, I'm going to You need to You need to get Mr. Little Hale's book. Yeah, again, this is, this, he, <laughs> yeah. he's speaking the Cosgrove language. So um, <laughs> his, uh, his sort of big thing, and, you know, I, I believe that he has established credibility with me. Um, his big thing is, is the whole 90-minute cycle and the importance of it, um, which is, you know, very, very largely based in science. But, you know, he talks about fixing your get-up time and then working back from that in 90 minute cycles. Um, mm. And sure, it's, it's wonderful if you can get, you know, six 90 minute cycles or, you know, five 90 minute cycles, uh, but life, um, it doesn't always work like that. And so he actually looks at the amount of cycles that you get per week. Um, and he talks about how you can use um, things called CRPs, controlled recovery periods, which are uh, naps to you and me. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's really interesting stuff. So if your cycles, you know, so my cycles, I get up at um, 0515. So my cycles going back to max are I should be kind of going to sleep at 945. He would recommend if I was out at 10 o'clock and sort of coming through the door, not to try and go to bed until I hit my next 90 minute mark. It's really interesting, really interesting mm. stuff to, to see how he, he thinks. I'm, I'm very, very yeah. practical, particularly, I think, for you know, someone who's got to work around baby feeds, <laughs> the demands yeah. of, of a yeah. newborn. She's very good. Like she is sleeping a lot of the evening which is great and she takes naps during the day so we are in a sort of tentative good spot um i know that can change in a day with a baby sure. so we're not we're not getting into anything and I, a lot of this is like well you know just plan your day and i'm like well i can't so i won't so a lot of it is aspirational rather than mm. concrete but definitely the the idea of looking at the macro is is something that is very simple straightforward advice but very hard to do and i think it applies to dieting it applies to sleep it applies to everything else instead of thinking like oh i only got seven hours 45 tonight that's not enough it's like okay how did you do this week yeah oh i've slept you know slept in on saturday did bad night sleep on monday but on the whole we look at the trend that's good look at mm -hmm. the month even better same with dieting it's not about oh you had a big night out on thursday with friends or you had a bit too much pizza or you had a beer, oh no, your calories are shot for the day, punish yourself, feel bad about this, and then you look at the month and go, I'm still six pounds down this month, so that's actually okay. I don't need to worry about this day, 
because the rest of the days, the the culmination of days is okay. Yeah, it's, there's a couple more apps. Um, what one is called Auto Sleep? That's um a really Auto interesting sleep. yeah for tracking uh your sleep and and giving you some some real data, particularly if you're an Apple Watch user. Um, and it's got its its little brother is called Heart Watch, which I suppose is is related because there's a lot of heart rate stuff mm-hmm. that, that goes into sleep. Uh, those are both really interesting. I'm sort of experimenting with those at the moment. And one that Tom uh, from the Slack put me onto was one called Happy Scale, um, which takes your uh, inputs either into Happy Scale or into uh, health on on the the phone, and it kind of, it, it trend lines for you the weight much more effectively um so Mm. i think it's design is really to you know those days where you go up inexplicably you go up point two what the hell happened i had a really good day yesterday i exercised i didn't eat um you know up to to my calorie allowance or whatever it might be um but my weight has gone up it sort of flattens that curve for you and 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 forces you to look at the macro and go yeah but you're 0.8 down on where you were this time last week or you know three down yeah. on where you were this time last month chill <laughs> um and you know i'm finding it interesting to look at when i say curve it's not a curve but you know my weight loss seems to be boom big weight loss up 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 boom big weight loss up 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 boom big weight loss. and it's actually reasonably consistent but for those three or four days I, you know, I'm quite happy to say I'm, I'm looking in the mirror going, I don't know what I can do. You know, I, I, I not only played golf and burnt 2,000 calories, I had a huge walk with the dogs and I ate half an apple. What, what's going on? Um, <laughs> and uh, it just sort of gets rid of that anxiety, which I think is is worth doing. I'm just, I've just literally installed it as we're doing. I'm going to have a look at this because I log all myself to my health kit so that yeah. I can have a, a track of it regardless. Yeah, it's sort of agnostic for uh, the various apps that you then feed information in. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I, I mean. think the most, yeah, the most interesting one for me um, when I started running for the first time. So I was running last year, year before, mm-hmm. last two years ago. I ran my first 5K, which is a big deal for me. And I'm really pleased about it. Um, life life gets in the way haven't run one in a bit but i'm gonna get back to it and i'm actually really looking forward to it and i know i can do it now so there's no mental block of like i might not be very fast but i will be able to finish a 5k sure i'm looking forward to that but i think the most compelling health statistic from all of that because i did a lot of health tracking then to kind of get up to speed for that was heart rate variability and Mm -hmm. sort of the approximate heart health from that and i could literally see i started running everything after that got better like measurably better the heart rate variability went up which as far as i remember up is good so you want more variability so that it can be fast when it needs to be fast and slow when it needs to be slow Mm -hmm. um and it can be tied to stress as well if i remember correctly so i remember seeing i was super stressed that month it went through the floor and you know being able to see that connect with that's how i felt and that's how my body was reacting really really important really really powerful for me so that's the numbers I'm going to be looking at again. You know, eat right, exercise more, and don't sweat the little numbers and, mm-hmm. and lean more into the, okay, trends. How's the trend looking? What are things doing? I've just installed that um, 
happy scale. I'm going to have a look mm-hmm. at that because that's quite interesting. It's taking that those wiggles out and just giving it a trend line, which yep. if it's going the right direction is a trend down. Uh, so you're not sweating the little things. You're just looking at the, the macro picture, which I think is so important. And here you've also got more deliberate downtime and back, well, back to running, you've covered more deliberate downtime. What does that mean? Mm, just just taking time to not do things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy to to keep doing stuff, be that personal, be that work, be that everything else. For me, it's just trying to, okay, no, I want to spend some time with my daughter. I want to spend some time with my wife. I want to go and watch a film with my dad or, you know, go bowling with my brothers and trying to not let life get in the way of life. <laughs> not like let all the, the stuff you have to do that you feel obligated to do get in the way of the things that you want to spend your life doing. So, you know, I think Athena was the most compelling reason for this. It's like, well, I don't want to miss this, so I'm not going to do that. And you stop thinking trivial things that you get stuck into are terribly important anymore. So trying to make deliberate downtime for, you know what, I'm going to have a quiet Thursday. You know what, not having something in that calendar is a win, not a, a missed opportunity. Sure. And just for me, I like to schedule, I like to plan, I like to have things organized. And seeing a gap in my schedule is now my deliberate downtime. That is me deliberately not putting something in on Thursday night so that it's, oh yeah, I've got nothing on, which means I get to sit and read a book to Athena or I get to read a book myself or we get to go for a long walk with the dog or whatever. We'll figure it out. But I'm not tied to something I've obligated myself to do. Oh, read those research papers, sort this out. Uh, that's finally the day that I'll rejig the garden shed. It's like, those are all things that are great and need done, but they don't always need done every day. And so sure. just leaving gaps. That's, I'm finding it quite useful at the minute. Um, yeah. And, and then the, your, the inverse of that is then. For your running, have you, <laughs> have you got yourself a schedule? Have you, are you started doing, you know, little training runs? Are you aiming nope. at a certain thing or? Just gonna nope, let it I am doing a terrible job of that so far. As I said, Meg is running a 5K on Saturday. I'm going to go along with a buggy, which is a foolproof get-out-of-jail-free card. Oh, sorry, this isn't a run buggy. Can't run with the kids. Sorry, it's too far. Oh, sorry. Yeah, next time, next time. Um, <laughs> That's not true, me, though. Uh... That's not true, TJ. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the 5Ks well, this... <laughs> at, in um, Andover, where my mother lives. And there's a, a plethora of people pushing buggies around a wet field. I'm thinking, you're yeah, mad. not the buggy we have. Yeah, <laughs> the buggy we have, I think, would collapse into pieces if I tried running at any kind of speed of it. But um, yeah, I will get back into it, and I, I think I'm going to try and run this weekend, even just around the neighborhood, just to kind of sure, yeah. get back into the feel of it. Because I know I'm going to be slow, and that that's fine. Yeah. I know I'm going to be slow. I know it's going to be hard. But the hardest thing was running 5k. Because I didn't think I could do it. And then mm-hmm. once I'd finished, it was like, oh, yeah, I can run a 5K. What's going to stop Now the hardest thing is, is getting just... your trainers on, isn't it? That's the, <laughs> that's the tough thing. <laughs> it's the motivation. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it's more just st- break the seal, start running again. And yeah. then once I'm running again, it's easier to keep running again. Um, I haven't broken the seal yet. It's aspirational currently. But I know that I can. And so it'll sure. be probably a next week problem. Um, mm. Just get back out. And what the thing is, it it sort of, it runs away with itself, if you excuse the Mm -hmm. pun. Once you start running, it's nice to run and you kind of get a bit of a bug for, ooh, 
yeah, Sunday morning. I could go for a run on Sunday morning. And you feel wrecked. At least I do. I feel knackered the day after and the day mm-hmm. of. But it's a good kind of tired. And it's kind of like, a, oh, yeah, I ran this morning. A little tired now, but I'm going to enjoy a nice lunch and, you know, hang out with friends and go off and see family. And I feel like I've done my good thing in the morning. So you yeah. feel just balanced for the rest of the day. Uh, so, so, I mean, tomorrow morning, um, I'm on the tee at 10 past seven. Um, I'm playing golf with a couple of friends. It's not competitive. We'll, you know, I'll play badly. I'll play well. Who knows? Um, I will be driving home for my, my lunch, my huel. Um, and, you know, I'll glance at my Apple Watch and it will say that I've done, I don't know, 200 and something minutes of exercise. It will say that I've burnt two and a bit thousand calories. Um, it will be, if I look into Noom, it will be saying, you can eat a small planet, it's fine. Um, and so by lunchtime, I'm I'm feeling like a billion dollars. I will have my Huel. I will take a, um, a CRP or a nap. Um, and then I'll get a couple of hours done work-wise in the afternoon before going out for supper with friends. It's, you know, I will, I will bounce out to supper thinking, okay, I, I can eat what I want. I can drink what I want. I can do it. Yeah. But because I feel that way, I don't feel the urge to have 16 desserts. I will go, do you know what? I'm going to have a steak because I really like steak. I'm going to have a salad with it. Um, and you know what? No, I'll pass on the dessert. And as I said, because I don't drink anymore, I'm not going to drink three bottles of wine. So it's it's just such a fantastic thing if you get ahead of the day on on those sort of health measures. It just everything yeah. then then steamrollers or steam snowballs. That's the phrase I was looking for for me. Um, that sort of feel good carries forward, and I start making better choices because I think you know, hey, I'm a, I'm ahead of the game. I'm ahead of the game. And the danger for mm. me is that. You know, in two weeks' time, I'll probably book to play five games of golf in a row, and you know, <laughs> on the fourth, will collapse in a sweating heap somewhere. But um, I aspired too much. No, yes, I've over-aspired <laughs> myself, sir. Uh, <sighs> there yeah. we are. Well, th- th- this time next month, we'll we'll clearly be, both be much smaller and uh, fitter, <laughs> and uh, you'll be you'll be running every morning and you know you'd be yeah. talking to me about your ACL you. injuries and all that yeah. sort of stuff yeah <laughs> i'll run to cyprus and then run back it's easy you know what, what's what's that four thousand miles yeah then lunch when you get home <laughs> yeah four weeks later <laughs> uh well there you are right well given that we've we've hit the two hour mark I suppose mm, we should let the poor episode. listener go, really, shouldn't we? So I've been Stu Lennon. <laughs> Terribly sorry. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was a very forward-thinking and health-conscious episode of 1857.